Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinker. It is a good day to be here. It is a good day to be alive, and the coffee is warm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sitting here on a nice, nice big cup of coffee. This Mm -hmm. is probably my third cup. Yep. Uh, ne- to me, you can never have too much coffee. Yeah, I used to be that way until I developed a few health issues, and now if I, uh, I have to find the, the right coffee water ratio throughout my day. Otherwise, my chest hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. You don't need to overdo coffee. That is true. And um, I can't do decaf because that's just dirty bean water. I don't know. I, I could do. I could do. Keep. I could do decaf. It just has to be good decaf coffee. I, yeah, okay. So there is a there's a huge flavor aspect. You know, bitterness, all that stuff. But for me, I can do. I can do regular at night because um, even though um, insurance is being stupid, so I, I can't get evaluated yet. I have not. I have not been diagnosed with ADHD. However, I have met multiple people in my life that have it. And have told me that caffeine has the opposite effect on them that it does on a normal person. So caffeine will make other people energetic and hyper. And for people with ADHD, it just kind of mellows them out a little bit. And I don't really know where I land on that because in the morning it helps. Maybe it's just because I'm drinking something. Uh, but at night it doesn't hurt. Like I'm, I can drink and then go to bed. Well, drink coffee. <laughs> And go straight to bed, and I'm good to go. Yeah, coffee for the most part doesn't affect me either. Um, now my my oldest son does have, uh, at least he's been he's been told he's been evaluated and told he has ADHD because they lump they lump ADHD and ADD now into one classification. It used yeah. to be two separated. But when he has coffee, he is a different kid. Uh, he does. He does. Good, calm bad. Down. good kid. Good. <laughs> calm down. Like he's always a good kid, but he's yeah. more. He's more mellow. He okay. has coffee. So coffee does. I can tell that he really actually does have ADHD. Um, but I. I again. Um, it's okay for me to open the scans worms. It's okay. But uh, for I have learned through my own son that so people over medicate their kids sometimes when they're diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, I know there's kids out there that need medication. I get it. I've seen those type of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, just give them a cup of coffee. <laughs> I just- well, I, I mean, that does also, um, there's an indication there of a misunderstanding of what the point of medication is for. Um, and that's something that I learned a lot about when I was in school. Um, and I think I agree with a lot of the textbooks and the stuff I read in the articles and whatnot about um, the purpose of the medication is to correct any or help correct any chemical imbalances. And this is across the spectrum of like any issue, but it, it serves to help correct any chemical imbalance so that you can actually start working on the actual problem. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's not meant to, it's never meant to solve the problem. Um, so I think that's one of the things I've talked to. Like I've, I've seen one doctor and said, you know, if I do get tested and I found out I've got it, I don't want to just don't throw drugs at me. I want to learn some coping mechanisms. I want to learn some techniques to help manage it and to help control things. Because if I just pop myself on drugs, I'll probably be a miserable person to be around. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, um, I think I, I do agree. I think it's over medicated and over diagnosed. Um, my dad, they told me my kindergarten teacher said, <clears throat> we think he's got ADD. My dad was like, he's a six year old boy. who can't sit still. How's this weird? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's another another podcast for another day. Yes, I can I can go on and on that's about true. that. That's true. That's true as well. But I, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the conversation we're going to have today. We're actually talking about something uh, that has been really brought to the surface, in my opinion, in the last couple of years more than it has in the past, mm-hmm. and that is uh, abuse in the church uh, from leadership abuse. Um, and abuse has been on uh, throughout uh, different aspects of the church that haven't been addressed, addressed properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's things like, for instance, in the last few years, there's a lot of things been brought to light. Uh, whether you want to look at the whole thing that went went on with Marcel Church, whether you uh, what side of the aisle is true with that, who knows? But there's been a lot of controversy coming up there with leadership abuse. There's things coming up right now with uh, Heal Song again, whether we just kind of know what's 100% true, what's not. But the fact is there's a lot of, of accusations of church abuse there. Mm. And you're hearing it more and more and more now, in my opinion, than you did even even five years ago. I'm, I'm just hearing yeah. a lot more about it. But it, it is an important topic for us to discuss because the fact is, as leaders, as student leaders, youth leaders, we can easily uh, build an environment of abuse without really realizing that we are uh building the environment from any from from a legalistic aspect mm-hmm. uh, which is in all honesty can be used as a form of abuse and spiritual abuse yeah and, and it can and it can be some form of trauma because i know mm-hmm. again we're we're part of the IFB network and and there's a lot of guys there that RFP. RFP. Sorry. RFP. RFP. Sorry. Tongue twister there. But yeah, yeah, it's, but but the, a lot of these guys in, in our network understand this way more than even we do. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz they grew up in a very hostile legalistic environment mm-hmm. and and quite frankly a lot of these guys have experienced a form of trauma through it. Yep. Um so yeah, so I thought it was thought this topic is, is a very good topic for us to address uh, and even look at in the realm of student ministry. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, um, I, uh, I had an opportunity to catch up with a friend of mine from college who I think we were actually in some of the same classes. You might have been in some of the same classes with us too, but um, uh, she actually has done multiple different types of ministry, student, women's, um, different things over the course of the years. And she's been through a pretty rough go of it for a couple of um, places that she was at. And so uh, we had a chance to catch up and just talk about, you know, her story, the things that she went through. Um, and and this, this is one of those things that the more I hear about it, I think um, you said this earlier, Ryan, uh, we're hearing more about it now than we ever have. Um, but I don't think it's because 
what's happening is increasing in frequency, I think more light is getting shed on it. And so this is going to be one more spotlight shed on it so that I think one of the biggest benefits we're going to see out of conversations like this is to help church leaders, one, know what not to do, um, how to avoid ending up abusing people, even if they, I don't know how you accidentally abuse someone, but you can kind of prevent ministries from heading that direction. Um, but also, um, to, you know, uh, help other people evaluate their own situation to find out, am I actually in a situation where I'm being abused and mistreated? Um, cause we use the word abuse and people immediately put their guard up and go, hold, hold on, you know, is it abuse or is it just, you know, you don't like it? Well, I mean, at, let's, let's talk about it. Let's ask the questions. Let's figure it out. So I'm looking forward to hearing about, uh, the, this conversation and, and just uh, hopefully it'll help somebody um, who might be dealing with something similar or has gone through that in the past. Well, guys, stay tuned as we talk with Grace Crosby. guys, I'm excited about today's episode because I get to interview a close friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends for, oh gee, 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. Uh, we graduated together from Liberty University in 2010. Holy cow, that's a long time ago. Uh, her name is Grace Crosby. And uh, Grace, it is great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, since, uh, you know, I'm the one that's good at interviewing friends while uh, Ryan's good at finding famous people. (laughs) Um, Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell people, you know, a little bit about uh, your story and ministry and what you're up to these days. Yeah. So uh, I graduated from Liberty University, as David said, back in 2010. I got my uh, Bachelor's of Science in Religion with Youth Ministry as a concentration, and I also minored in Women's Ministry as well. Uh, Straight after that, went straight into grad school at Liberty, the Theological Seminary, and got my MDiv, um, Concentration in Professional Ministries. The longest degree ever. (laughs) You're officially smarter than me. (laughs) No, no, it was great. but constantly like um, continue to do ministry work uh, all the way through, like even from undergrad, all the way through seminary. Um, The church that I was a part of uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia was Brentwood. Now they're known as Waymaker Church. And so I served in the children's and youth ministry there. Um, Felt the call to youth ministry actually at the, um, my RA at the time had suggested that, I take a youth to a one class and I feel like that's how every single youth ministry major ended up being a youth ministry major was being told (laughs) to take youth to a one. And so literally took that class, was told it was an easy A. I wanted an easy A class. And so I went and literally like God called me to youth ministry in that class back in 2008. Um, That calling has not wavered since. And Mm. I've had the privilege and honor of serving students, whether it's been in a professional or volunteer position um, for over 10 years now. And I currently work at Reliant Mission. We're a mission agency that trains and equips missionaries in support raising. And so I particularly serve um, as a U.S. program liaison. So I serve a lot of our U.S.-based missionaries. So kind of like their 
HR help desk go-to person um, as they're trying to balance administrative things on top of ministry. Boy, man, that is a stack of stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I can identify with that, though, because my parents were stateside for the majority of my life as missionaries. And that's always just as a kid who has parents as missionaries, it's hard to explain to people what your parents do. Because you think missionary, most people think, oh, they live in a hut in the middle of the Sahara Desert. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're everywhere. Um, so the other day when we were talking and catching up on stuff, uh, one of the things that came up, and this is kind of going to be our main topic for the day, um, is just some of the experiences um, that I have seen in the church and that you have personally experienced in the church. Uh, and it centers around this problem of uh, people abusing their power. Uh, in the church. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just uh, share a little bit about your personal experience with that, uh, but kind of on a broader level, um, just, um, just I guess, inform us what the prevalence is of power abuse within the church in general. Yeah, so kind of what I find is, to this day, like, it is prevalent, uh, power abuse in the church. Hmm. Um, I think some people think it only happens in certain large mega churches or um, churches that have gained a lot of popularity for either type of programs that they do or ministries. Um, but I honestly believe that there are churches that are just kind of like regular, they're not even in the public eye, um, that also uh, can be guilty of abuse because I think naturally, like when you inherit a church or whatever that church culture is like, it keeps repeating itself. So mm. it's almost kind of like being a part of a dysfunctional family and you yourself not realizing that you're dysfunctional because of that dysfunctional family. Um, and so I feel like there's way more churches out there. There may not be getting the most, you know, hype or media coverage. Like say, I, like I know Hillsong is having a huge documentary about their abuse of yeah, power. <laughs> so, you know, so not all these churches that you think of as far as like, you're like kind of few, that's not my church. Um, I would strongly start praying and start being watchful. Honestly, I think that's, um, and I think the reason why uh, abuse in the church is so prevalent is because honestly, I feel like um, it's not just leaders' faults, but I think it's also congregations' fault. I think we have fallen prey, kind of like government. It's kind of like when you elect an official and you don't hold that official accountable, they're able to just kind of do whatever. And that's, I honestly see kind of like today with voters who are disgruntled by a lot of things. And it's like, well, you voted for someone to be in power yeah, and, you asked you, for it. and you didn't hold them accountable. And mm. you just thought, oh, they'll, we voted them in to do what they were supposed to do. They'll do it. And it's like, no, they're just as human as you or I. And I believe the same thing goes for the church. When you bring in a pastor or you an elect a lead, an, not a leader, but like an elder or a deacon, uh, you as the congregation don't just get into this kind of like, I'm spiritually beneath. It's like, no, we're all called to be Christ followers. We're all called to be leaders to a certain capacity. Mm -hmm. um, even if you don't have the education or training, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. You are able to discern what scripture says and actually be able to see that's an abuse of power. You shouldn't have to go, they're the pastor. I shouldn't question them. Absolutely question them. Yeah, um, well, you see that that's the first thing that pops into my mind is if you have the thought, they're the pastor, I shouldn't have, to, I shouldn't question them. 
that's like the first marker <laughs> of there's a power abuse going on. But what are some of the other markers to look for? I mean, not that we're not trying to pull the rug up and find every little piece of dirt under, yeah. you know, because we're all a hot mess. That's the whole point. Absolutely. I need Jesus. That's why you get saved. All right. Yes. But what are some markers to look for or that you've noticed um, yeah. that indicate there might be a, an abuse of power going on in the background? Yeah. So one of the things that I caught on, this didn't happen to me. Well, actually, in a sense, it happened to me personally, <laughs> but I'll loop back around to it. Um, okay. But one of the things that I saw directly was at the church that I interned for a summer at. Um, it was a big mega church, very well-known pastor. And out of respect, I'm not going to mention the church on here because it doesn't matter. It's like, I've yeah. forgiven it, released it, let it go as the song in Frozen says. Well done, Elsa. Um, <laughs> but um, I remember being in a conversation with the middle school youth pastor whom I was under in terms of doing my internship with. And he mentioned how oh yeah, you know, the guy who helped kind of come in as a guest, like worship leader last night. And I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, he used to be like our full-time youth ministry worship guy. And he was like phenomenal. And I said, oh, like what made him switch over? Like, and he goes, oh yeah, like our pastor basically saw the great work that he was doing and went over to him and said, hey, the Lord is prompting me, or I guess he put it, the Holy Spirit is telling me that you need to switch positions and go into children's ministry. And a lot of this, what was embedded in this culture was a fear of losing their jobs. A lot of them were worried about, mm. you know, losing their jobs, losing income, um, worried about losing projects. And the guy just said, okay, you want me in children's ministry? I'll go to children's ministry. And he switched on over. And to me, I feel like that and, and who knows if he prayed about it or whatnot, but even if he says, well, let me pray about it, he's still thinking in the back of my mind, if I say no, will it's I get happen. fired or, or yeah. will this become obsolete? And so to hear a pastor saying the Holy Spirit is prompting me that you need to be children in children's ministry. And that worship leader is saying, is not even saying, well, I haven't felt that call or yes, God did call me to that. Didn't tell me. That's, da <laughs> that's dangerous territory to get into where you trust someone else, particularly a human being to be your Holy Spirit. That's frightening uh, to me. And that a power that a pastor could have that much power and influence um, and that you allow it to happen is even more frightening because that shows how deep I think the abuse of power runs is when people are not even questioning. They're not even Man. feeling that freedom to pray. That's insane. I mean, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it kind of seems like if you think, let's just, let's just for the sake of argument, say it's legitimate. And you honestly think that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to say something to somebody else. Like, I think you should go into children's ministry. I think the first thing out of your mouth should be, you should pray about this to see if he's saying the same thing to you. <laughs> Like, yeah. and leave room for that, for the other person to submit to the Holy Spirit in their own mind and heart. Um, and if that's the, if that's not even made an option, uh, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Um, I saw that from a guy uh, in the church I grew up in, uh, going the other way with the pastor. It was a church member. And he said to my dad, <laughs> here's try this on for size. He said, I was here before the pastor came and I'll be here when the pastor leaves. <laughs> uh, 
he had that power though. Like if he wanted to, he could have the pastor. I mean, he could have been gone in, in a heartbeat. And that's kind of scary. Um, that's max of something. And I want to ask you uh, if, if you had this um, happen where you were, but what that sounds like to me is someone who looks at the church that they're a part of and they look at it as their church instead of Christ's church. Yeah. And I think that's what was kind of the irony of actually, because I would hear sermons from this pastor on Sunday. And one of the big things was about not my way, but God's way. And I almost kind of wanted to, to die laughing and go, clearly you are seeing this more as your church, your way. And, you know, being a, taking on that claim of I'm a man of God. And so everyone's going to listen to me or, and again, I don't know this pastor's heart. I didn't really have a personal interaction with him. Like this church was so large. It's like to be able to probably get that pastor and pull him aside and talk to him would like only last like a millisecond. That'd take a miracle. Um, (laughs) Take a miracle. Yes. Um, But I think, you know, when we gather around individuals and we put them on a pedestal, it shouldn't surprise us as believers if they get a swelled head or if an Mm. ego develops. I think even to some degree, pastors do need some sort of an ego or charisma because they draw people in. I think that's, I think that's some inherent characteristics of a pastor, but at the same time, it's like keeping it in check though is, Mm. is the um, defining point of how you're utilizing that is, are you using whatever characteristic God has given you to bring him glory, or are you being flooded with praise, adoration to where it's like, oh man, this is a sign from God that I'm doing his work and I'm on track. Mm-hmm. Members growth, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are on track with God's agenda. <laughs> Cause I think we can yeah, look at a lot point. of, a lot of pastors, like I would say, Joel Osteen is one large mega church and it's prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. Yeah. And I would say even pastors like Stephen Furtick lie in that market where it's like, yeah, you have tons of people at your church, but is it developing, you know, the Christians that this world needs that yeah. God wants to see grown and developed? Yeah, it it it's it seems more like you're developing fans and 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 sheep, uh, not the right kind of sheep, um, rather than disciples who can make disciples. Because that's one of the things that I've noticed, even in some of the stuff we've talked about, and in some of the other um, church situations I've heard of, there being power issues, is the the people are they're talked at instead of to, they're preached at instead of to. Uh, but they're also not equipped to to make disciples. And what's the whole job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. <laughs> so if that's not happening, uh, then that's that that gets not only to this whole like celebrity mindset of the pastor, but it's also the the other thing. And I don't know if this is something you've seen um, is the I'll just do it myself mentality. Um, have you seen that coincide with, uh, someone who's kind of abusing power to also have the attitude of, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. So I think there's great examples of that, like in the church that I interned at. So I think honestly, like how you lead is how other people are going to lead. Mm. And so 
I saw the abuse of power where the pastor would come in and I remember the middle school youth pastor sharing like, oh yeah, this was a really cool project. This was my baby and like would talk about it. And he goes, yeah. And then our pastor came in, checked it out. And he goes, I don't like it. I want you to scrub it and do something different. And he scrubbed and did something different. And so there's this expectation of perfection, you know, whether it's the senior pastor and I'm like, the senior pastor, you have hired this person to do a job. And if you didn't think he could be capable of doing the job, then you wouldn't have hired him. So entrust in him to be able to do the job that you've hired him to do. You know, if something is failing, he'll figure it out or he'll seek wisdom or, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to another mentor who's over him. But to actually see the tier level of authorities within that church and to see the senior pastor just totally bypass all the other leaders and say, nope, I don't like it, scrub it. That to me is a big sign of, of work and also this can-do mentality of, okay, I got to work harder. I got to be more perfect because I don't want something else scrubbed or I don't want to beat down. And so I noticed even just some of them where it just kind of like was demanding, like for Mm. us as like either volunteers or interns, there was just kind of this mentality of, come on, do it. You should be able to do it. And it's like, you know, like there were, you know, areas of teamwork, but I honestly felt like we were just a bunch of individuals thrown together, you know, and trying to to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, So when stuff like that would happen, was there ever an opportunity for the, uh, in, in the leadership hierarchy, um, context was there ever an opportunity given for the lower person to explain to the supervisor or the pastor why they were doing what they were doing or what the goal or purpose of the thing was or was it just the pastor coming in and going don't like it scrub it and no questions asked i feel like i want to assume that it was kind of like a no questions asked thing because they wouldn't say that they you know like oh like i think there was one other intern and she's like oh that's too bad like did you get to make a case like I feel like she might have asked that question but it was just kind of brushed over like I said too much or you know it's kind of weird like we almost kind of felt like there were moments of like we were like because we were interns and we were going to leave at the end of the summer it was almost kind of like we're going to kind of like vent because you guys are going to be gone and not hired by the church. <laughs> we're never basically. going to see you again so we can complain. <laughs> so we can kind of, it, 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 that's what it almost kind of felt like. There was a lot of complaining, but like, I also kind of felt like um, because of that mentality, um, there was a, how high can you jump type deal? So if the pastor said, we want you, I want you to jump this high, they would do it. And mm. I honestly saw this road of burnout like that was my next question (laughs) was burnout coming yeah yeah and honestly like the fact that they would what they did every summer and I can't even imagine what it was like for a whole like ministry year um Mm -hmm. but when we were there like they we had to help it was a large campus like I'm talking like hundreds upon hundreds of students not just middle school students but like high school students they had exchange students from like another country coming in that they had to host that we would have to like hang out and visit with. We had to help run VBS. Like that was incredible to me. Like, I don't mind helping out. Like, you know, children eventually grow up and become middle schoolers and high schoolers and stuff. But the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter that, you know, 
they couldn't find like a ton of volunteers, you know, for, you know, like to help run it. Like we had to help run it instead of like focusing on other things. It was like back to back stuff. It was like camp, VBS, camp, camp. Like I, I don't know how they continue to function with all the stuff that they had to do. Cause mm -hmm. I was feeling exhausted. Like, and they gave us time to rest. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to say like they didn't believe in taking a break, but also like you could see them working hard to yeah. almost avoid being fired or whatever. Like, even we kind of learned we were an extra burden in a sense. Like they were like, yeah, this wasn't like a good season to have interns because of everything that was going on. And they, it was the first time that the church was taking on interns from uh, a different from another college from a different from different states because they were used to having former like college students from their church that were used to their culture used to oh. all the different like traditions and things that they did versus having brand new people coming in so i feel like we were seen as an additional work burden mm. to them and the fact that it's like hearing about some of the other unhealthy stuff that was going on and that they all, all the higher leadership kind of knew, that scared me too, that leaders stemming down, I think, from the senior pastor of like, don't care, power on through, I feel like is the mentality, or we got to keep this ship going, yeah. um, even at your health and at your expense and at your spiritual health too. Um, I feel like that trickled into anger frustration how even they treated us and also i think like it's almost kind of like misery loves company mm -hmm. so it's like ooh, a lot of company. and yeah <laughs> um but at the same time it just like it, it grieved my heart to be yeah. honest like it made me so sad um you know because you could tell they loved students you know but at the same time like everything that they were being bogged down with and the expectations. Um, I think, you know, as much as they love their students, you know, which I think is what kept them going. I think, um, I think honestly, like, you know, without them realizing it, like the heart of ministry was slowly dying out within that ministry. Yeah. yeah. We're, we were just in our, um, in our devotions that we're doing as a church, um, we just, I think we're on letter five today of the five letter of the seven letters to the churches in revelation. And I think it was the church. I, I, I want to say it was the church in Ephesus. God was basically like, you guys are doing great. I mean, you're just plugging away. You're enduring, but I have this like one thing against you. You've lost your first love. <laughs> and you'd think like in a letter, that's like, you're doing great, positive, positive, positive. I just got this like one small thing. And then they says it and it's like, that's not small. <laughs> that's huge. That's like of primary importance. <laughs> and uh, it seems like just the, the hearing you describe the culture, um, it seems like it's not just a, a culture of busyness, uh, but it also seems like this trickled down to even interpersonal interactions were not even healthy between yeah. the staff and the interns. Yeah. Now we were told, and it was funny because I wasn't really paying attention, but like, I know some of the other interns said, oh yeah, they, one of the leaders said, don't mention, and I don't know who would say this, but they basically told us, don't mention how much you get paid because apparently we got paid more 
than interns got paid more than their part-time youth workers that were on staff. So we were told more? to keep, hmm? What, did you work more? I don't know if it was a matter <laughs> if we worked more or not, but it was just really, really weird yeah, like to be told, don't mention your paycheck. And it's like, why would I mention my paycheck? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, so I think like inner competition or jealousy, I don't know, but that was just another thing. So it made like this whole divide. Um, there was also um, a female associate, which I was excited about to see a female associate in youth ministry who was working full-time in youth ministry. And she was hired to like lead, not only I think the teen girls, but I think she was over uh, singles ministry too. But there was something definitely spiritually going on with her. Hmm. And she just kind of had this attitude towards us. Like she did not want us. She didn't interact with us. Like I was looking forward to asking her questions and engaging. And I felt like I could not engage this woman. And hmm. honestly, she was the one. And again, looping back around to um, how the pastor said, like the Holy Spirit told me to tell you worship leader going to children's ministry. Um, I was kind of the one who stood up to a lot of the abuse like I wasn't taking it like I was kind of like the one who said this isn't right I don't agree with it that's not surprising <laughs> <laughs> you're not taking no junk off of nobody <laughs> um so basically my last day she sat me down away from everybody like by myself I did no idea what was coming and she basically re she reamed me out and basically said she goes I don't she goes I see you you could do ministry but she goes you, she goes, I don't believe you're supposed to be in youth ministry. Like that's not your calling. And I was like, okay, Ow. it's come full circle. Like you're seeing influence from your pastor on how he can do that. And now you feel you can do the same to somebody else. Um, it was very, very like damaging coming from Liberty university where, you know, I felt affirmed in my calling. I was encouraged, um, not just encouraged, you know, by my peers, but by encouraged by like men, which, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people talk about like that they haven't had, like for women, they've talked about how they haven't had the greatest experience from male leaders sometimes. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's within the church. And so for me coming from that background to say, okay, I've been affirmed. I've been encouraged. I've been encouraged by men who have been in youth ministry and in this field and who have experienced a lot of hurt and woes to now coming to a church where they hired a full-time female teen girl director. And she is putting me down for, I don't know if it's because I exposed things within that church or I said no to certain things. Like it's like, oh, you're not allowed to say no or stand up for yourself. Um, you know, that, that made me extremely sad. Um, mm. I was angry about it and frustrated, but mostly sad because, um, again, there's not many women that you can say that have that position of being a teen girl director. You know, it's mostly it's male led uh, in youth ministry. And I understand that. Um, but to have someone like that, who you get excited about to talk to and go, oh my gosh, like this must've been a huge hurdle for you to overcome or what an opportunity. And for someone to just not look forward to engage and to mentor and lead and say, you know, come alongside and go, wow, that's awesome. You're another female that wants to do 
youth ministry. Yeah. You know, but also I think there was a threat about jobs. Like a lot of them were hearing rumors that the church was going to be like, there was multiple campuses. And so there was this rumor going around that a lot of the interns that had come from Liberty were possibly going to get hired. And so I'm sure a lot of them mm. might've felt threatened or worried. And so. She thought you were coming for her. <laughs> I I don't know, you know, it's like, I don't know her heart and, you know, and I've since kind of learned that she and her husband, they've since left that church and, you know, he went on to pastor at another church. Um, But I hope, and my prayer was like, upon hearing her, them leaving the church that they got to experience something healthy versus something unhealthy. Well, that's, that's a much better attitude to have than some of the conversations I've had with other guys that tend to destroy things on their way out um, because they're so hurt. But I mean, it happens. Church hurt happens. And, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, how you handle that on your way out. Um, Unfortunately, even if you were legitimately hurt, it, it does uh, reveal your own character in the moment. And it's wise to not cause or sow division on your way out the door. um, If the Lord's moving you elsewhere. So the the big question in my mind at this point then is how in your estimation can churches guard against power abuse even becoming an issue in the first place yeah great question um for me i think it's having um solid people like in terms of accountability and i think one of the big problems too at the at the church that i was at particularly it was so large like hearing the amount of elders the amount of deacons that they had, um, I'm sure somewhere there's like a huge shuffle loss or burnout, or it's like you worry about, am I going to be in the majority or am I going to be in the minority? Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think also it's like numbers are important for accountability, but I also think like having too few is not good and having too many can also be a negative um, Mm -hmm. because there's just too many voices. you know, I think having a wide variety, like a diverse um, amount of elders, uh, and also I think how the voting works. So it's like, to me, if you're voting in an elder, it's like, it should be nominated by the congregation. I would strongly like, say like the pastor could have an input, but I don't think it should just be the pastor going, you, 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 because then basically the pastor is getting all yes people people that will agree with him. It could all just be lackeys. Exactly. And so I think that's another thing. Churches need to understand that the congregation, there should be a balance of power. The congregation should have a say on a lot of things. Um, One of my biggest struggles with a certain network, it feels like congregations don't get a huge say. Um, You know, to me, it's like, I love the fact I'm in a PCA church and not all PCA churches are the same. I am very fortunate to be um, at a church um, that has, that really understands healthy accountability, understanding that they're not perfect, that Mm -hmm. they're, it's like imperfect people trying to move towards Jesus, basically. And how, you know, like when they hire a pastor, it's the congregation that votes on it. And if the congregation has a struggle with the pastor and they go through the proposal channels of leadership and it doesn't get resolved, they can go to the presbytery. Um, To me, like that's super encouraging, like how there's not just, well, what if the pastoral leadership is not listening to me? 
who else can they go to uh, for accountability? Or just even if they don't have anybody, does the congregation feel empowered to go, we want you to step down. Otherwise, no one's going to start coming to this church anymore until you leave. <laughs> um, so I think it's having the right people voted in as far as like that is surrounding uh, the pastor. I also believe that every single pastor should have a mentor. And it's someone that is not within the church. It is somebody like third party outside of the church, someone who has a lot of years um, on them. I think that's important. I've been in churches where the pastor has never had mentorship and it's led to a lot of hurt. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I've You're not learning it. from anybody, <laughs> not learning from anybody. Um, and I that's also, scary. Yeah, extremely scary. And it's, you know, and sometimes it causes irreparable harm or it leaves congregations like super confused about something. They're like, I can sense something's wrong. I just can't put my finger on it because <laughs> um, I've been in those situations. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something hard to deal with. My uh, the church that I was in when I went off to college, um, we had a an older pastor when we first got there, and he retired shortly after we started coming and 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 became members, which we didn't see that coming. But the pastor that followed him went on a power trip almost immediately. And by the time I graduated high school, I had five different youth pastors. And I think it was on my fourth senior pastor. Now that I think about that. And the fourth guy came in was a young buck. He was the, he was the son of a famous preacher in the area, which didn't help. And by the time I graduated from college, he had gotten rid of the office of elder in the church because he said it wasn't in the Baptist faith and message. And I was like, are you serious? And this is a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> wow. I was like, what do you mean? It's not in the Baptist faith. There's only two offices in the church, pastor and deacon and pastor, elder, overseer, whatever you want to call it. It's all interchangeably used in the new Testament. So what do you mean? You just get rid of it. And somebody stood up in a business meeting and said, well, then who keeps you accountable? And he said, it's by church vote only. And it was like, okay, so you're, you're on a power trip. You are, you're another one that's on a power trip. You're, you're not going to be held accountable unless someone stands up in a business meeting and says, I think we should vote the pastor out. That's it. That's your only option for accountability. That's a dictator. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm that's extremely frightening. frightening. Yeah. No. And I would even say, like, I don't think congregations pray enough for their pastors. I don't think they think, I think a lot of, and, and again, I am all about congregations taking ownership of their faith, taking ownership of being members of a church and not just taking up pew space. Um, to me, it's, Shots fired. Um, <laughs> no, no, I remember being in a church um, where the pastor was like, if you are not serving and you knew you're not proactively participating in this church, he goes, I don't want you here. Like, I want you to leave this church because this is not the church for you. This Woof. church is for people that <laughs> are committed to this church and to the congregation and to the pastoral leadership. And so for me, it's like, it's like, yeah, get on your knees and pray for leaders to be faithful in their marriages, to be faithful in listening to God's word, uh, to serving others, to actually equipping and empowering their congregation to like rise up and be leaders and go out and be 
the church, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, if your pastor is actually looking surprised when you say something like intelligent, like you had just been in seminary forever, um, <laughs> that's a sad sign. If he's yeah. feeling surprised that you are not capable of saying something that intelligent. Now, again, check yourself and see like, oh, is he surprised? Like he's happy that you are engaging with scripture. That's one thing. But it's another thing if a pastor is maybe discouraged for a long period of time, um, if, you know, or threatened. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. there's different levels. Um, but again, I, I think this is where church membership is important. Um, mm. And I think that's something that's being lost. It's kind of like we have congregate, like I would say with churches, the chirp chopping movement is still going on. Um, but also I think um, for our generation, David, I feel like as millennials, and I don't like to consider myself as a millennial. We're, we're was, elder millennials. It's, we're elder off the millenni- hook. Yeah, yes, exactly. We're elder millennials. Um, <laughs> my biggest struggle is we, I feel like we put the church and church leadership in a, in a bind actually, where we were like, I don't like this about the church, so I'm going to go here. Or mm. I want this, I want that, me, me, me. Like we were called like the I generation because it was all about ourselves. And yeah. so um, in a sense, like if we see like leaders struggling with power uh, or abusing it, or we're seeing leaders almost having too much crazy amount of influence and they're not leading a lifestyle or preaching a gospel, we, we should take first responsibility, look at ourselves because we have fed that monster. Um, And so I think that's another way of fighting, um, you know, abuse with like power abuse within the church is Mm -hmm. actually getting it so that congregations realize, oh, I can hold them accountable, like feeling empowered and taking ownership of our faith and actually being proactive in churches. So aside yeah, from accountability, I feel like congregation members need to actually, it's not about us taking power back, but it's actually like balancing. We are mm-hmm. part of that balancing the power. Yeah. I mean, you, you just hit on something that reminded me, I was told, I think when we were at Liberty that the millennial generation was, um, we had a I think the way they put it was we had essentially lost trust in the institutions, um, whether it was the institution of church or the institution of school or the institution of government, or the institution of marriage. We just didn't have, there was no more, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, there's no more brand loyalty. <laughs> um, it's something that, you know, we just wanted, uh, we just wanted life catered to ourselves. So if we didn't like it, we just moved on to something else. And the, the thing that you're hitting on, like you're, you're nailing it right in the middle of the nail is basically wrapped up in don't just leave to find something else you like better stay and fix it be a part of the solution um because otherwise you're just going to go find problems like every every church on the planet is going to have a problem because there's people involved exactly (laughs) jesus had a problem because he had people involved and they they were a big problem (laughs) Yeah. yeah and i would even advise like you know like in the sense of yeah like try and stay, try and fix it. See if you can. Um, I am definitely of that person where it's like, I just don't want to up and abandon ship. Um, Mm -hmm. but if it proves to where it's like, even if I've talked with people, even if like I see them and they, they agree like, Oh yeah, we're seeing the exact same thing. And they're like, well, I'm not going to help, or I don't know what to do. Or 
I, it's not a big deal to me because I'm not being affected. Like yeah. I honestly feel like numbness does occur in mm. the church where it's like, you're just physically numb and you don't want to do anything or basically poke the bear and wake up the bear basically. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, there's a certain amount of time where with, when you see abuse of power in the church, and I would say like scripture talks about it, like go to your brother and confront, there's a godly way to do it. And then mm -hmm. you get more people if that person refuses to listen. Um, and then also you can pray through, I think, you know, churches are mission fields, but at the same time, um, if you find yourself when your spiritual, mental, and physical health actually like it's it, you're feeling degraded basically you mm -hmm. have nothing left to give you may want to consider praying and saying god is it time for me to leave this church and i've had multiple amounts of those prayers of like god is it time for me to leave this church because it's like i want to leave this church well i don't want to be a part of the problem i don't want to bad mouth i don't want to um, hold anger or bitterness um mm -hmm. because at the same time the important lesson is to remember um the body of Christ, the church is not a building and it's not like a specific building. Um, the church is this living, active organism of a body of believers coming together to worship and glorify Jesus. Yep. Um, but again, we're all human. We're prone to fail and mess up and Jesus extends his forgiveness and grace freely. So there is the freedom to say, goodbye and close that chapter but also at the same time don't let that church or that experience dictate the next church experience that you're going to have because it's like yeah. you know it's like i feel like that's the hard part it's so many uh christians who have either walked away from the faith because they've been burned by a church i want to go well that's just one experience of a church it does not speak for every single church or every single christian that you're going to encounter mm -hmm. um you know, but we do have to accept like human beings are sinful until Jesus comes home. We won't be fully perfected, you know, or until he calls us home. So, yeah, um, you're right. But don't don't leave because of a Christ follower because he's not Christ. Yes, he's not the one who did it. <laughs> he's not the one tripping on power. Exactly. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that everything you just said, I think that's paramount. Um, a lot of it has to do with our attitude and how we approach things, how we, how we choose to handle a situation. Um, but again, you've said this multiple times. It bears repeating again. Uh, it's, it's worth taking it before the Lord directly in prayer. Um, you know, we're both Jerry Falwell seniorites, right? Nothing of eternal significance ever happens apart from prayer. So pray about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's paramount. Um, well, Hey, huh. A lot of good stuff. Um, I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Uh, if somebody if somebody wanted to try to get in touch with you to talk about this at all, what would be the best way to do that? Best way would probably be to email me. Okay. Um, so my email is gecro31 at gmail.com. Um, I get very skeptical when I get massive amounts of like message requests through my social media. So yeah. I just want to make sure like through email, it's like, that's probably the best way to go and i won't assume the worst of anybody um you'll be able to say i got like this contact by listening to david's podcast um, awesome. and then we can if you find that you want to talk more extensively um we can talk about like other platforms to use from okay. there 
Awesome. And we'll, we'll try to get that in the show notes so people can get that as well. Well, Grace, Hey, it was, it was good talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And, um, hopefully we can, uh, hang out again soon. Thanks. Man, I, I am very thankful for, for Grace to kind of share what she shared. Um, yeah. and, and again, being very tactful and how she shared, because I know she's, she's dealt with a form of abuse out, out of church. Mm-hmm. And as she stated, it's a well-known church. So I was very thankful that she was very protective, uh, tactful, how she went about it. But at the same time, being willing to share uh, her experiences and what she went through. Because the fact is, again, this, this is a problem. Um, throughout the church, and again, we mentioned the intro talking about legalism uh, can produce a form of trauma, or because it's a form, of, it can be used as a form of abuse. And I grew up as, in a free will Baptist church. Yeah. Um, even though we were we were getting out, I didn't grow up in major legalism, um, but there's still that kind of that kind of feel in some of people's minds of what church should be as we're getting out of that and. And I can remember uh, just hearing just crazy stuff my dad went through growing up in a free will Baptist church to where uh, he went to one specific college in Nashville. Now it's a free will Baptist uh, college. And man, they would do, they would do music checks, making sure you're not listening to what they quote unquote called devil music, which was rock music. <laughs> Michael and, W. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and just crazy stuff like it's like that and yep. just making it so such a feel of works-based salvation um, of how if you aren't doing these extra biblical things that's not even scripture mm. you are not a good Christian or You're not a Christian a, at all yes and and, and, it, and over time that does produce a level of trauma so that I'm, I'm just telling you for uh, in some ways I, I again I briefly mentioned this we can spend a whole podcast on this too but um, even from the uh the true love weights feel in the 90s i had the ring yeah, yeah there, there there's good things that came out of that um i don't know what you call it anti-sex culture which again you shouldn't have sex but i don't know what term what right correct term sex culture that Whatever. sounds so bad <laughs> it, it does but I, I don't know what it is but it, it, i don't know what to call it but um it was just um again it, it it was a lot of it was oh i've got it it's abstaining with no training there we go okay that's that's a phenomenal <laughs> i just term. invented a term <laughs> awesome term but uh it, it was the environment uh, of behavior modification rather mm. than really looking at the heart and that's where a lot of this uh, i think comes down to uh, even in abuse situations or legalism or whatever it's it's it comes back to the person in power imposing behavior modification on the person under them instead of uh, biblical discipleship or uh, a desire for heart change. It is manipulation. It is a, it is um, strong arming, forcing your opinion. Um, even, I mean, even when parenting, uh, one of the things my wife and I constantly have to talk about is sometimes my approach is behavior modification and we try, and then we talk about it later, and we're like, "How how could we have approached this where this is more getting to the heart of the issue with our kids, so they understand instead of just saying, don't do the thing' or do the thing.' So, you know, that's something. And the other thing that that kind of popped into my head as I was re-listening is, um, I think a lot of the 
problems surrounding this could be avoided if people would be clear in their communication up front. Yeah, I um, agree with that. I mean, you and I have both been through experiences in the past, and we've had conversations with who knows how many people at this point, where the stated reality of things does not match the day-to-day reality of things after the fact. And that may not have been intentional, or it may have been, but if people can be clear, especially on leadership, this is the direction we're headed, this is the way we want to get there, this is what I expect of you, if you can state all that stuff very clearly, it will help avoid some of that stuff on the back end that ends up turning into conflict and abuse and other stuff. So um, hopefully that got y'all's brains thinking uh, through some stuff. And uh, uh, one thing I hope it encourages you to do is not quit uh, because Grace hasn't quit and uh, she's a pretty amazing person. So uh, if you have not yet, uh, please go to whatever podcast platform you listen to that allows this and leave a comment and star review. Uh, That allows us to keep our content near the top of the search results so that when people are looking for youth ministry content and student ministry stuff, uh, we're there to help them out. Uh, If there's a topic that you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast or something that we talked about pre-COVID that COVID screwed up, so we got to talk about it again, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd also love to connect with you through our Facebook uh, presence. We have a group and a page. Uh, If you follow the page, you'll get notified when the new episodes come out. And if you are in the group, you can chat with other youth workers. You can chat with me and Ryan. Uh, And also check out the RFP Network at rfpnetwork.org. There are nine of us podcasts on there covering a wide range of things. And if this topic, particularly about abuse in the church, is something that you need to uh, delve more into or something you've been through and need more help with, a lot of the other podcasts on the network talk about stuff like that. So Uh, Thank you guys for listening and look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, guys, and we do want to let you know that um, uh, we are taking a break for the summer. Mm. Uh, This is going to be our last episode until um, August. Again, we're busy just like many of you listening during the summers between camp. Yep. uh, Mission trips, just crazy stuff, activities in the summer. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we're also going to be building up some great interviews for you coming in the fall. Uh, so again, don't tune out. Save it there and get ready for get ready as we're building up for the next uh, school year uh, in August. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.